0: Hey everybody, it's Mike Carlson from Podcast The Ride. I'm joined by my co-hosts Scott Gerdner. hello, and Jason Sheridan. Hey, and we've got a little announcement. We sure do. Yep, we're launching our new podcast on an app called Spoke to give Spoke. you three exclusive episodes. Can you believe it? Three. I can't. Yeah, don't don't believe it, but it's true. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. Well, how does that work though? Well, I'm going to explain. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlists of clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. So they're all grouped by topics or themes is what you're saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for figuring that out. Thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, you could try like a playlist that's like about music being decoded when it's playlists with clips about unpacking and analyzing and figuring out how people make songs and what, why are they so cool, you know? They also have one uh, called Spoke's Perpetually Single playlist dedicated to podcasts about relationships, or lack thereof in my case. sure, Jason, don't put yourself down. I want to – all right. <laughs> <laughs> There's all sorts of things is what we're trying to say, and Spoke has like fun exclusive content from Feral, like our podcast. Uh, so you definitely don't want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now, free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Podcast the Ride's exclusive Spoke episodes at here slash Podcast the Ride. That's the address. Uh, check it out. Spoke. It's time to Spoke. Yeah, we're Spoken.
1: Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested I know in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompas donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost 1 million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. If you like my theme music there, that's a band called Les Blanks. If you haven't listened to the show before, uh, it's exactly what the title says there. I have a conversation with people. (laughs) And in uh, light of the Trump uh soon to be president i've decided to bring this podcast back and talk to activists and artists and journalists and see how we can approach this Uh, today i speak with mark rudd who is a legendary activist he was part of sds and the weather underground and he has 50 years or more of uh, being in the trenches politically and fighting and organizing and uh, he was one of the first people I thought to talk to when I brought the podcast back because I've spoken with him before and he's always had great insights and uh, a- a- and it's uh, woken me up. Uh, the first time I talked to him, he kept saying how we need to organize and and, and affect the Democratic Party from within and transform it. And I kind of didn't get that. Uh, until Trump won. I mean, I understood it, but I, uh, I don't know. You know, it's easy to become jaded, and and I think we became complacent, or I did. And I just, I feel like we thought this was a no-brainer, and that the Democrats would win. Well, we were wrong. Well, they did win. <laughs> we did win. They, but uh, you know, the electoral college, in us, in the uh, the old ass there. But uh, I I truly don't think good things are on uh, the horizon for us, unless it's a mushroom cloud. (laughs) There's there's probably some of those on the horizon. Um, But I just, I see, and I don't know if it's, uh, I was kind of beat up a lot as a kid, and when you get beat up, You start working angles uh, of what dangerous situations are. It's your coping mechanism. It drives my wife crazy because, like, we'll park the car in our parking space. I'll be like, you know, right there, somebody could hide and get you. (laughs) You know, but that's sort of how I've been conditioned. So I look at world events in the same way, and uh, I I see these these tensions with north korea and it doesn't i and uh, i think that trump probably wants to he says he's just bombed the shit out of people i think he wants to bomb people i think like because he 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 responds by uh, uh, aggressively uh, approaching people like grabbing them by the pussy and he he likes conflict and i think that gives him power in a rush so the ultimate thing that would probably make him ejaculate for a week would be if he could bomb somebody. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I think I'm terrified and um but I I truly think and then plus if we attack somebody like North Korea you know, it, dr- it drums up that old patriotism and and people feel uh, it would give him more power and it would give the Republicans a power grab and I think Mark and I talk about this a little bit in the um episode but uh it, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like we got to do something. So uh, this is part of my doing something to help spread awareness and knowledge, uh, talking to these guys who are much smarter and more experienced than I'll ever be. uh, And just go out there, organize and volunteer and give money if you can, even if it's a buck, give it. Um, Real quick, I want to plug my other podcast Afterbirth, also on Feral, a totally different show, <laughs> talks about who we are before and after we became parents. Uh, with that in mind, please enjoy the conversation with the legendary and insightful Mark Rudd. I, I,
2: I, in an hour, I'm talking to a, a, a conservative. Oh, that's interesting. A guy named Dan Flynn. Daniel, Dan Flynn. Uh, he's... He's he's um, a, a kind of a popular historian of the of the co- conservative view of the left. He 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 wrote a, a conservative history of the U.S. left. He, he he's he's somewhat of a libertarian, but but he's basically a racist.
1: <laughs> well, that that takes care of my next question. I was going to ask if you agree with any of his take on the left, but.
2: <laughs> I can't even, but I'm doing. I'm doing it just to see if I can, if I can uh, pull it off.
1: Do you? Do you? Uh, I get very emotional when I. Uh, it's something I'm working on, but when I when I talk to somebody who is racist, it's hard to, or like, or a, a major Trump supporter who just throws uh, not even facts or information at you, just random sort of speak that they pick up on the internet. Uh, it's very hard to for me myself to stay contained. Do you do you 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 probably better than that at me?
2: No, no, not at all.
1: <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just doing I'm just doing it to see if I can do it. Yeah, I did that. I, a, a while ago. I I I purposely uh, chose to get and participate in a conversation with a Trump supporter who was. Doing nothing but calling people libertards and uh, never giving any information out or facts or anything. And I just wanted to see if I could remain calm and be like, you don't have to insult me. Like, And she just assumed, immediately just assumed a ton of information about me. She didn't even take the time out to find out what I believed or who I voted for. Or <laughs> she just assumed and just insulted willy-nilly. Right. Uh... Now... You're a man who has uh, been active and seen a lot politically. I mean, you 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 lived through Nixon. What was your thought when when Trump won?
2: Well, the night he won, um, I I was at the local uh, Democratic Party headquarters. uh, Uh, a a victory party at a hotel, actually. And it was so depressing, I had to come home about 10.30. And um, I I would say my immediate reaction was I had to go to bed. I felt sick. I just, my body shut down. Uh, But then in the morning, I thought, I thought, I got up and said, well, you know, who said it was going to be easy? And uh, this is going to present a... uh, uh, a, a a a unique uh uh opportunity to organize now and and um ever since that morning november 8th i've been uh, uh, operating on on that which is that uh, in my whole life i've never seen such an opportunity to organize on the left
1: um I like your optimism (laughs) because it took me about a I mean, I I was angry and I was trying to figure out I knew I had to do things. I just was trying to find what the what avenues are you going down to to organize?
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you put it in one word, it's organized. That's it. I mean, of course, I was angry, too. I was angry at the Democrats for um, for blowing it as bad as they did. Um, for running Hillary Clinton for Hillary Clinton not having a coherent um, uh, position on class and 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 for um, for narrowing the base of the Democratic Party uh, down to people like myself, urban professional elites and uh, and non-white people and and leaving everybody else out, you know and and uh, um, um, I, I was angry at the fact that that the, the Clintons and had 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 had, had re- and and their their allies had, had remade the entire Democratic Party into the left wing of the, of of the neoliberals. So yeah, but I've been angry for most of my life, so it's nothing new.
1: Yeah, it's been the Democratic Party. I mean, I've never voted anything else in my life, but it's like I've, it's very hard to remain optimistic and yet with the party. Yet I feel like we don't have much of a choice.
2: Well, oddly enough, though, Bernie's candidacy um, uh, exposed a lot. It exposed the fact that there's a a huge base within the Democratic Party and also young people who have never uh, identified with the Democratic Party. There's a huge base that um, um, will support um, um, more egalitarian and and social democratic notions. And, and, uh, um, you know, I've, I've long known that the majority of this country um, wants all social democratic solutions uh, such as uh, health care for everybody, um, um, uh, universal higher education, all that stuff. Everybody wants that. And not everybody, but about 60, 70, 80%. And yet we haven't organized for it. Well, Bernie exposed the fact that if you did organize, a lot of people would come out. Um, I'm not saying that Bernie would have won. I don't know if Bernie would have beat Trump, but the the fact is that there's a big base, especially among young people, uh, for social democracy. So uh, all we have to do is organize. And, and, you know, that's, let's see, I'm almost 70. It should take only 20 to 40 years, I think. Right? I probably... <laughs> that's. No, I'm not joking.
1: Oh, no. Because...
2: I... No, seriously, you know, the, the damage that, um, that, that the next four years is going to do. Uh, is, is going to take twenty to forty years to undo. But in addition to that, it'll take that long for us to get organized. We're not very good at organization. The right wing is much better at organiz- organizing themselves. I mean, they they represent at most twenty five percent of the population, and yet now they have complete and total power. So you figure that
1: one out. It's been baffling. It's all based on. It's just been baffling to me. I mean, I look at the stat, and it's like, but I this is what they've been, I think, working towards since Reagan. I mean, they've grassroots, they've built up and taken over the states, and now we are in this shit fire disaster of of them ruling everything. And I, the things that they're going to be pushing through, I, with my heart, know that the majority of, of the of citizens do not want or agree with this. No, of course not.
2: There was a recent Washington Post um, um, poll that said that sixty percent of of the people of the United States want universal health care for everybody, and, and, and the mainstream media never even talks about that usually. But now that now that Trump is taking away the the sort of um, stopgap that that uh, Affordable Care Act was, um, or, or Trump and the Congress actually, I think Trump didn't really know what was in Obamacare. He didn't. He had never spent. He he didn't know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, for example. He doesn't know anything about it. But but for political reasons, um, the, the the Republican Congress has made attacking Obamacare the centerpiece of their program. So now they're going to uh, want to destroy it. But they don't. They don't know uh, 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 what people want. They don't. They don't know anything. All they know is a black man was in the White House, and they hate black people.
1: Yeah, I was – I read this article earlier today about how Nixon intervened with peace talks of uh, in Vietnam, and you read about how uh, Casey held the ho- helped uh, negotiate to keep the Iranian hostages in until Reagan was in office. And all that makes me think of it is, is this is a party that has never given a shit about the people, that it is a party that wants control and power and to please corporate interest.
2: Yeah, I don't think the left has ever wanted power that much that it's, it's been willing to violate uh, basic morality.
1: Yeah, that's that's, I mean, that's a powerful way of putting it.
2: Yeah, I mean, we don't, you know, they, you know that's another problem, I mean, it's part of our part of our problem is we don't really most most radicals. Um, I'm talking about the. The, the far left um, generally doesn't really want power because power is nasty. It's it's dirty. It, it, it means some people have power and other people don't. And so it's, it's much it's much more more comfortable to be on the outside uh, whining and crying about uh, the people who have power than to actually be in power. So there's a kind of an allergy on the left. Uh, people don 't want power, but the right wing has no problem with power they They went for it, and uh, they represent at most twenty five percent of the of the country i can 't emphasize that enough. We represent the large majority, but we 're not organized for power. So all we have to do is organize for power that 's why this um paper that 's been circulating called indivisible is so uh, is so important. Have you seen it? I have not you haven 't seen it. Well, let me tell you about it. Um, Just look up online one word, indivisible, and you'll find us a lot of stuff. And what it is is congressional staffers, um, who are probably mostly out of work now, um, uh, uh, studied how the Tea Party gained power. And um, they took those techniques and wrote them down and said, now we've got to use these same techniques. Uh, as resistance against the Trump administration and to build a movement for power. So it's been, it's been viral on, on the web and, and uh, social media. And um, in in the last few weeks, there's been something like 1,100 or 1,300 groups um, that, that have formed called Indivisible. Um, Rachel Maddow had about 20 minutes on, on it, I think on Wednesday. You, you can look up Rachel Maddow on Indivisible. It's very interesting. He had one of the one of the writers of the paper on it. It's okay. basically a blueprint for resistance.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like the left has had a. I, I feel like they thought this was going to be a cakewalk, and that whoever was the Democratic nominee was going to pretty much take the office. And I mean, and technically we did, <laughs> but the the jerry-merandering and all the other things kind of screwed us over.
2: Well, I, 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 that sounds like sour grapes in a way, because Trump is now the president, uh, according to the rules of the U.S. Constitution, which was established to protect slavery.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm talking about the Electoral College. Yes. It was established so that the more populous North uh, wouldn't dominate the, um, uh, the South, which had most of the slaves. So they they developed a system where they counted three fifths of the slaves, but they also gave the less
1: populous states uh, more votes. It's 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 maddening. Do you do you think that the because there's a lot of people who are cautioning that we're headed towards authoritarianism or or even worse. Do you think that's where this is headed?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I I think that. Um, uh, if, if, if Trump had a mandate at all, it's, the, it's the, the 60 or 61 million votes that he got. And Trump basically said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And Trump doesn't know the law. He doesn't care about the law. Uh, he's never particularly cared about the law. He's just a bully. Well, um, we've been moving in that direction for quite a while. I mean, the, um, um, the police response to Occupy, for example, back in 2011 was terrible. It was it was um, primarily violence, police violence, uh, and and protest is now going to be met with violence. It's really a terrible thing, and uh, um, um, I, I think that uh, um, we're definitely headed towards that. So, um, good luck. We're you know, uh, there will be definitely elements of fascism. Fascism involves, among other things, uh, the use of the, uh, the use of violence. State violence and 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 uh, and 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 uh, 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 civilian violence. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of violence. I think.
1: Do you think there'll be violence from protesters? Do you think that?
2: There'll... No. No. I think even from from our side. No. I think we've learned the lesson of of that 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 nonviolence uh, is more powerful than than state violence. And and. Um, there's been a lot of good good work on this. There's a few fringe elements, some of them police agents, um, who, who uh, kids though often who who have to prove themselves. But no, there's not going to be much violence on the left, and and most everybody I know is working as hard as possible uh, to, to, uh, uh, um, to 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 uh, eliminate uh, 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 violence from the left. So no, that's 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 all cop violence. Uh, In order to justify their violence, Um, I think the left is going to be 129% nonviolent.
1: Do you think that the Democratic Party, because it's interesting to try to figure out which direction they are going to go in, because clearly Bernie had an influence and pulled us, pulled the party towards a more socialistic, democratic, but. You know, Clinton went to the right. Or Bill Clinton, with you know, post Reagan. And I'm wondering where where do you think the party may lean towards after this?
2: I can tell you where I hope it'll go. I hope it'll go in Bernie's direction. Uh, but I hope it'll it'll become a popular party. In other words, a, a a party that's that's got people's involvement in it. Now it's a it's a shell. It's professional politicians and professional political politicos who run it Um, there it doesn't have citizen involvement so I'd like to see the Democratic Party uh, get rebuilt from the bottom-up meaning from the local levels Uh, and 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 with 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 millions of volunteers who are out organizing and um, running the party and running for office Uh, here in Albuquerque New Mexico um, we have a record number of people running for a school board election uh, in early February, believe it or not. We have something like 30-some people who turned out to run for uh, five seats uh, on the school board because suddenly people want to get involved. It, it'll be a party that's built from the bottom up. But but Bernie did a, a miraculous thing by uncovering uh, the fact that there's millions of people who, who who won uh, a, a democratic socialist uh, party. And and we're um uh I'm I'm optimistic. I it's gonna take a lot of work. It'll it'll be the work of of, of certainly the rest of my life. I'm uh I've got one foot in the grave for, you know, I'm almost dead and, and uh but um I'm hoping to stick around twenty, thirty more years. Um that would be lucky actually, but uh how old are you? Forty eight. Okay well you've got another forty years I hope of organizing so. <laughs> you, have, you have
1: kids i I just uh, actually have a i have a one year old
2: oh good you're you're a one year old my grandchildren are <laughs> are uh, two and five and seven they can be organizing too i mean it's really going to be the, their work as well um, this, it's not going to take it, it's not going to be by by two thousand the elections of two thousand and eighteen that the Democratic Party will be rebuilt into a bar- party of the people. But I think it, it's the only strategy, and and, and it's what people are going to do.
1: You know, it's interesting that you brought up children because I've been conscious and, and talking to my other friends who are newish parents of how we can influence. My friend was like, take your daughter when she's old enough, take her to a protest so she can like get it in their DNA early that you have to be conscious and aware and act. Uh, no. Well, there's
2: dangers there too, you know, because sometimes uh, I got my kids. Uh, my kids um, uh, went to too many meetings in their life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if I could give you, if I could give you any advice, it would be skip the meetings and do more things with the kids. you know?
1: <laughs> Now, when we've talked in the past, you've said that. And you were touching on this, I believe. is like that. You get involved in the party and transform it within. Now, how how exactly does one go and influence? Because I know a lot of people feel like, oh, it's an it's a machine, and it's this, and it's it's. How do we influence the party from within?
2: Well, I don't know about California. The thing about California, that's where you are, is, is that's different from elsewhere. Is that the the party has actually grown itself, and it is something like a popular party, and and it it it, it, it is dominant. Um, uh, not dominant everywhere in California, but it's pretty 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 it's pretty strong. And um, so you 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 maybe in a sense you live in the future. Um, and, but in most places, the, 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 the Democratic Party is a shell. It it, it exists in name only. And there's a few people uh, uh, who are manipulating things. And there's a few people uh, um, like families that, that dominate Um, uh, in New Mexico. There's 2 million people. Uh, There's maybe 2000 people who do any politics at all. And maybe half of those are Democrats. So, Maybe there's 1,000 people in the entire state who do any politics at all in the, or any participation in the Democratic Party. That means that, that in precinct after precinct, there's no precinct captain. There's no ward. That's the larger group of pe- precincts. There's no ward captain. There's no apparatus. And, and, and if you um, uh, uh, or and have a few friends, you could go to a precinct meeting and, be, and become a precinct captain and learn how to get people out to vote and learn uh uh who the candidates are and and put up some good candidates so i, I mean that's that's what the tea party did What's what's wrong with us doing the same thing that they did, it did the levers of for, the of the, the 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 levers of a formal democracy exist as long as they exist we should try them my mistake 45 years ago, was to pretend that those levers didn't exist and to jump to armed revolution. That was crazy.
1: And, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was trying to find a question for armed revolution, but... Uh, it, it, I mean, we
2: can just forget about that. There's no need to even discuss it. Oh, yeah, no, I don't, know, I don't...
1: I didn't yeah, want to seem like I I'm was... i just
2: saying, all I'm saying is because... The democratic levers exist. We need to try to use them and to involve as many people as possible. I'm talking about millions of people in the workings of democracy. And it, it, sometimes it's boring and sometimes it's sitting in rooms with people that you don't like. But it's the only way open to us. We've got to do it. Um, if you don't like the Democratic Party, start another party. You know, Although it, it tends to be that third parties hurt the party closest to you, um, I've decided to work within the Democratic Party because it seems to me uh, the most feasible uh, option.
1: Yeah, I don't – I've entertained the idea of third party, but I also – I believe that's why Bernie Sanders didn't run in a third party because I feel like he knew he could – Influenced the Democratic Party, and I think if he was outside of that party, he probably wouldn't have had as much influence. Not at
2: all. Not at all. People know brands, uh, just like they know sports teams. Um, the Democratic Party may be a tainted brand, but in some respects it's not. Uh, there, there's a heritage or a memory, let's say, of, of, of the New Deal and of the labor movement and of uh, civil rights. Now it's the party, uh, the Democratic Party is the party of Obama, and and probably 95 percent of all black people are not going to abandon it for for a third party. So, um, uh, you know, it's pretty much what we got. We also had 63 million votes compared to Trump's 60 million. That's a big difference. And uh, we just have to have to hit. We, we we have to rebuild the party so the party stands for something good, and that good is that government, it's the role of government to care for the well-being of the people and the planet. That's all we have to do. Simple job.
1: How did the Democratic Party get away from that? Because I feel like they, they I mean, I feel like both parties, I mean, I feel like Obama definitely was about that, but I feel like. With Bill Clinton and stuff, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, it was not as much about those things. Or am I completely out of my mind on that one?
2: (laughs) Well, Obama and the Clintons and uh, uh, Gore and Kerry before them uh, were all um, um, classical center-right Democrats, meaning uh, they support – Neoliberalism. Neoliberalism is a right-wing position that says government should be as small as possible and markets should control as much as possible. The Democratic Party was the left-wing of the neoliberal uh, order. The Republican Party is the right-wing. They got more involved in um, um, cultural issues, but they also pushed free market, deregulation, and militarism. That's another thing, militarism. So there wasn't that much difference between the Democrats and the Republicans, and that's why Hillary Clinton uh, could never talk about true class issues. The hollowing out of the the working class, of of the the white uh, industrial working class, was not in her view. She didn't She didn't want to acknowledge that because the ideology of neoliberalism is that that um, globalization and technology uh, benefits everybody. And uh, it doesn't benefit everybody. Some people, it hurts, although um, part of globalization is uh, 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 cheap goods from abroad and everybody loves their Walmarts. All the Trump supporters love their Walmarts, even Trump. Uh, brand uh, clothes are manufactured abroad, so um, I mean neoliberalism is all pervasive it's been dominant uh, since the eighties and, and 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 we've got to repudiate that and and substitute um, all of our ideas um, such as concerning uh, health and education and 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 the environment all of these ideas uh, but under the um, um, philosophical uh, 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 position that uh, the, the the government has a responsibility for the well-being of the people and the planet. That's the opposite of neoliberalism.
1: Yeah, you mentioned labor within that too, and it's just I'm terrified what's going to happen to what little there is of organized labor. And obviously unions. And, and it seems like we're going to have to go back to the Haymarket market, right? so It's like we're going to have to go back to that era to get decent wages. And it's baffling to me that people voted for Trump thinking he was going to bring jobs back. Well, during the campaign, he said wages are too high in this country. It, it's just baffling. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, there's no logic to why people – I mean, the logic was basically um, get rid of the Democrats – uh, hatred of, of a woman, uh, and hatred of a black man. Uh, that, that's the only logic there was. But to the extent that people are hurting uh, uh, economically, yes, um, um, they, they thought change would somehow benefit them. But um, Trump is not going to bring manufacturing back to the Great Lakes states, not at all. Um, and uh, he's for lower wages. Um, the, the, uh, there has to be more labor orga- organization and and higher wages and and uh, 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 to return to the to the um, the, the the period of, of of real prosperity in this country when when um, uh, the gap between rich and poor was not as great as it is now.
1: Do you think? I mean, it is potential that this could backfire on Trump and pretty quickly. Because I think people are going to see within a year or two that he's, especially his first 100 days, he's not going to bring jobs back. Very few people are going to benefit from his, his, his agenda. And it seems like it could cause major outrage within t- two years. And it, it seems that's like- possible. Pardon me? If we organize, if we organize
2: you, you, I hope you're right. If we organize, but if we don't organize, there's also other possibilities. They, took, they could use a nuclear weapon uh, to wipe out some Muslims someplace and, and, and start a war. Uh, American people uh, have a, a, a reflex, uh, an automatic reflex to support wars. Um, they, they're taught to be patriotic in that respect. And, uh, um, um, you know, uh, war is a good way out of a, of a, of a political crisis. There's all different kinds of things. There could be many more environmental uh, uh, problems, and, and, and they could be all the, the uh, uh, environmental disasters could be blamed on the Mexicans. I mean, and none of this is rational.
1: That has been my thought, and I, I'm not one who dwells in conspiracy, but it's also been done in the past where a conflict is used to grab power. I mean, it was post 9 11 the Republicans grabbed quite a bit. Uh, yeah,
2: and it's that yeah, yeah, yeah. Naomi Klein's book um, uh the shock Doctr- doctrine is all about that, um, and 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 we you know it, it, we're not immune to it because uh, apparently to a lot of voters facts don't matter. Uh, and, and so the only the only solution I think is going to be organizing us organizing. I mean going to these precinct and ward meetings, running good candidates, uh, building a base for the candidates, getting voters out, um, getting people politicized, getting people to pay attention and, and not be as ignorant of the world as they are. I mean, my neighbors uh, voted, some of them voted for Trump. Fortunately, New Mexico uh, went for Hillary, but um, a lot of it was uh, hatred of hatred of, of a woman.
1: Isn't it astounding that the things that were issues in the 60s and that what people fought so hard for during civil rights that a lot of it hasn't really progressed that much or that we've regressed within it's like I feel like we've just time machined back to 1960
2: well I think I think that that once the um, civil uh, the the segregation legal segregation was defeated um, people thought that there 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 would be uh, a, a, a future uh, that would be less racist, but we didn 't understand how structural uh racism is in the society uh in, in terms of uh the inability of people for example to get out of poverty or uh, the uh, the inability to um, um, uh uh, you know you know the, the 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 constant uh pressure from the police and police violence this uh it, it, this is structural and and um it it's going to take a long struggle but i, I think that that in general um, um young people are 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 less racist um as far as overcoming poverty it's going to take a lot of, of effort uh that's Martin luther king um, uh, died just at the moment when 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 he was um, articulating uh the need for something called economic justice we've never we've never gone very far down that road but um you know, that we have to do but remember that that the the, 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 the lack of progress in racism, against racism, also happened as the labor movement was being defeated. So that the high point of the labor movement was 1970, when the highest percentage of workers were involved in unions. From that time on, it was downhill. And now it's down to something like four or five percent of the American workforce is, is, is unionized, where in 1970 it was 30 percent. Well, that makes a big difference because unions are essentially democratic institutions, and they teach democracy. Not always, but they—the the, the whole idea is—is—is is, is people um, uh, before money, and and uh, 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 that the the, the the triumph of capital uh, also um, uh, is coincidental uh, with, and produces. Uh, the maintenance of racism—they they go together.
1: <sighs> it's just, I. I... It's just, these are
2: big topics. They they demand enormous amounts of, of of reading and study. if 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 there's anything that I'm I'm. Um, not optimistic about it's it's that people don't don't tend to put the the time in reading anymore and and finding out how capitalism works and, and 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 the relationship for example uh between organized labor and fighting racism these things are 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 almost um lost subjects for most people now because most people don't read and 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 and, and our news sources are so um, um, superficially, even the good ones like MSNBC are, are somewhat better than Fox, but still superficial. So, um, um, for example, the relationship—what I'm—I mean, I haven't even talked about the role of militarism in in um, um, uh, maintaining um, the in it, the great inequalities in our society. It's terrible. I live in a highly militarized state. It's a, a um, military production state, uh, New Mexico. That's what we. That's what we do. We we do research uh, for for the military, and and the um, um, we're we're fiftieth in the country because that economy, the military economy, doesn't trickle down to most normal people. Uh, it, it, it's it's for an elite uh, and, and, and a technical and bureaucratic elite. So um, our, our whole military production system uh, helps skewer uh, 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 the inequalities or helps, helps increase the inequalities in society. Um, then we could start talking about foreign policy and why it is that it's war after war after war uh, and why, for example, we um, support Saudi Arabia uh, in their war uh, against Yemen. Uh, you know, most people aren't aware uh, that uh, Saudi Arabia buys over 100 billion dollars of, uh, of of arms from us every year. That's our export. That's the American industry. So the war system uh, is very lucrative for some people, but not for others. Um, not for most of us. Um, no, we're, we 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 need a lot more study and and uh, um. um I, 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 I'm, I, you know, the only way I think people can get information uh, that exists at this level of of detail and and, and analysis uh, is through reading. And if people don't read anymore, we're fucked.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've had conversations with friends that one of the things that we used to always say to one another or in our group of people was like, what are you reading? That was a constant question if you were in a conversation with somebody. And I don't hear that question yeah. much anymore.
2: No, no. Sometimes I'll mention a book to, to a very intelligent young person and he or she will say, well, I'll read that this summer when I don't have so much to do, you know, uh, whether they actually get around to it, I don't know. But I think it's a question often of, of habits you know if uh, if if you uh, are, are are into reading things quick on your telephone uh and skimming through it it's not not quite the same as reading um on the other hand you know, something new will emerge i'm optimistic maybe maybe um comic book histories you know um have you, have you seen any of these lovely uh uh, histories of the i w w and of the new deal and uh uh the wall of uh s t s there's one on s t s and uh, uh, a lot of them are edited by paul buell b u h l e have you seen this
1: i i haven't i have i have one a comic book of uh, studs terkel's working oddly though <laughs> but i have seen oh, really? I, yeah it was uh it was done by actually by harvey p and um Oh, I'm for, the illustrator's name is leaving me. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's very interesting.
2: Yeah, uh, Harvey Picard, uh worked with uh, Paul Buell. Paul Buell's uh, a, a historian now in his 70s, uh, but he was one of the uh, STS historians uh, uh, at the time. And um, uh, he edited a, a, a magazine called Radical America. And uh, uh, he, he's gone... Uh, uh, he's produced a whole series of wonderful um, graphic histories, uh, including, uh, I think, uh, Howard Zinn's book, uh, People's History of the uh, United States, has been uh, made into a graphic history called, I think it's called A People's History of Empire. Uh, look it up. Oh, that's really,
1: that's. I would love to see that. I'm a huge fan of that book and Howard Zinn, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to – I was just c- curious if you had any yeah. – uh, I'm not thrilled with this question. <laughs> <laughs> you Sometimes you read it and you're like, ah, I don't know if I like this. But I was just curious if you f- feel that there was any – what Comey did with the FBI, that letter, if they were – if he was, or the FBI was trying to influence the outcome of the election, because we...
2: obviously, obviously, what else could it be for him to do something that had never been done before? You know, and 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 um, how much the um, um, police, uh, uh, um, law enforcement community um, uh, uh, um, wanted Trump. Um, obviously, it was. An, it was. I call it a soft police who you know, uh, for Comey to, 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 uh, uh, intervene at the last minute like that. And then he took it back a few days later, but nobody noticed. I mean, um, here in Albuquerque, I'll give you an example. Um, the, uh, Albuquerque police department for the last two years has been under, uh, uh, review by a, um, court appointed, um, uh, investigator um, because of the D- Department of Justice uh, recognizing the number of civil rights violations here. I mean, uh, the, the uh, police department became highly militarized and decided to uh, just go out and shoot homeless people. like uh, and, and wherever there's a, a mentally ill person, they just shoot them. Uh, as, as part of the operating uh, procedure. So the department became under investigation and Department of Justice, uh, review. Uh, now, uh, that there's new, a new Department of Justice, um, that's going to be eliminated. So, of course, all the police are, are for, um, uh, uh, uh against Democrats. And, um, um, they saw Trump as just another bully. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, but this bully in the white could be in the White House, so they saw their chance, and uh, uh, they moved on it. There's no doubt that there was a, a police intervention. Remember, the FBI is, not, is the top police agency in the United States, uh, uh, not just by formal position, but they train all the cop administrators in the United States. They all go to Quantico. Uh, FBI Academy. Uh, 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 in fact, I myself have gone there uh, to, to lecture on terrorism. It's, and you can see it on my website if you want to see something pretty funny. It's called "Mark Goes to the De- to the Dark Side." But um, um, no, it, 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 you're right. They intervened, and, and there's a lot of interventions. The Run- the Russians intervened, and and all of the fake news intervened, and all of the anti-Hillary stuff and. All of the lies and the, the the media focus on 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 on, on email servers, which so is nobody remembers what an email server is or why it's important now. It, it was a totally made up issue. Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, is a very careless, arrogant person, so they saw that weakness and they moved on it. But uh, did they discuss global warming? The media, I mean, I call that an intervention by not discussing global warming. So uh, Hillary happened to have a slightly better position on global warming than Donald Trump, who doesn't think it exists. So, no, it, it, it was an intervention on many levels. Um, and, and that's why we have to outorganize them, because they have the levers of power and of the media. We need people to be involved. Mm-hmm. Hey, Matt, I'm going to have to uh, uh, wrap it up in a few minutes. I've got uh, some stuff uh, that's coming down here. But do um, you want to ask uh, a few more questions?
1: Yeah, I was about to wrap it up. I was just going to ask if you uh, – and I had two more questions. I was going to ask if you if you have any hope that uh, perhaps – you- because people keep thinking the same that Trump will be impeached and that his conflicts of interests will come to get him – I'm not so optimistic about that, but I'm just curious to see if no,
2: <laughs> no, you need you need a Congress to impeach. Why would the Congress impe- impeach this guy? He's doing exactly what they want. Um, maybe if he if he if he gets totally outrageous uh, and 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 if the um, if if a lot of factors turn against him, maybe. But I wouldn't hope uh, hope that that's going to happen I mean, Trump's doing just fine as far as the Republicans are concerned. Before Trump, when it looked like Trump was going to lose, the Democratic Party was in shambles. Now that Trump won, they're, they're flying high. What do they, what do they care? It's it, Not the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. Uh, and it's the Democratic Party that's in shambles. And I'm glad it's in shambles. Now it's time for us to, uh, to grab it and rebuild it. It's going to be a lot of work.
1: Are you uh-huh. ho- are you hopeful that we can do it? I'm hopeful
2: that we can do it
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right Mark I mean, if we don't what are the consequences? If we don't nuclear war um, um, total annihilation of the planet uh, um, immigrants being deported, fa- violence, fascism in the street police run amok we
1: better do it we have to do it
2: we have to there's no choice you know and 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 if people don't like to work within the democratic party don't work within the democratic party but do something and uh, uh, we better do it and I, I i mean i'm not uh, overly optimistic because because we've lost the ability to organize you know the people people uh, don't know how to sit in the same rooms with other people. I don't know how to sit in the same rooms with other people. Uh even people who agree with me and uh, you know I, I, uh we we it's the only way we can do it but we've got to do it. There's no choice.
1: Great. Thank you very much, Mark. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, Matt.
1: I w- the, I w- the,
2: um, there's going to be a um, uh you know one one thing that's happening on February 19th in LA is there's going to be a memorial for for Tom Hayden. Oh yeah. And and if you could cover that and and broadcast that that would be wonderful.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. Is there I'm guessing Tom's whole life
2: Tom's whole life was about organizing. A really really um uh wanna, um refer you to a book uh called that he wrote called the long 60s it's about it's a it's a it's a political memoir of 50 years of organizing it's really worth worth uh getting it and 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 you'll see how consistent his life was and it was all about bringing people together for people's power so uh february 19th in um uh, at UCLA at four o'clock, I don't know where, but somewhere, uh, is going to be a, a memorial for Tom. And it'd be great if you could read that book, uh, and, and talk about it on the, on the air and, and,
1: and cover the memorial. I would love to. Are, are you going to be there by chance? I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I hope to meet you in person. Okay. I would like that very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Be well Thanks for, for calling. Of course. Thank you. you be well. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please uh, feel free to write me at Conversations with Dwyer at Gmail or go to my website, themattdwyer.com. You could write me and see ramblings of mine on my website. Follow me on Twitter, uh, matt__dwyer at twitter.com. I have great guests coming up in the following weeks. I have uh, Paul Krasner. I have uh, film director Shira Piven. Uh, and uh, some others. It's uh, gonna be great. So organize, and in the words of my favorite uh, one of my favorite guests, Pete O'Neill power to the people. And all the people love to listen to him telling all